Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Shua Hardy, and I am joined, as always, by Derek Brissett. And Derek, it is going to be quite a deep and impactful show this week, I believe. We've got so much to talk about. We have to talk about the uh, Canada versus Chile match. Also, like the USA versus Uruguay, just because that was on at the same time. Um, it was announced today on the night that we're recording on Tuesday, the 5th of October, that um, Canada's European tour, their second European tour this year, has uh, been announced. Uh, we've also got other things more close to the home, the Coastal Cup, Premier Rugby Sevens, and oh, so much to talk about. But <laughs> let's start off. Let's start off. Uh, more focus. How you been, man? Oh, not too bad, man. Like uh, like you said, there's uh, plenty, plenty of rugby to uh, be watched this weekend, which, you know, is basically a theme of every single weekend now. Did slightly change it up a little bit. Went up to a cottage to watch the game. Um, and I mean, you know, pe- people definitely have their thoughts on that Canada Chili game. I probably enjoyed it a little bit more because I was sitting next to like a fire outside by a lake near Bob Cajun. So, I mean... Nice. It was, uh, yeah, it was a nice way to watch the game. I mean, it's, you know, if you can't actually be in the stadium next to a campfire, it's probably, uh, probably right up there on the, the, the ways to go with, uh, you know, rugby viewing experiences. Well, uh, I can tell that Bob Cajun is a very lovely part of Ontario. It can be a little bit chilly. And speaking of Chile receptions, oh my uh, God. we have to talk no, about. No, no, oh man, no. Can we? Nope. No, uh, we no. We're, we're redoing. We're cracking we're down. We're redoing the on. intro. We can't. We can't. Come on, man. That was. What? What? Did, sorry. What did you just say? I just need to hear the terrible pun one more time. Speaking of a Chile reception, uh, Canada certainly got a, a little bit cold feet when it came to oh them. My God, cold feet now. God damn. All right. You're like this yeah. is the uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mister Freeze, hosting our podcast here, guys. It's going to be every uh, every chilly and cold pun imaginable coming out of Stu's mouth now. Okay, right. Let's just all right, let's get on with it because I think we spent more time complaining about uh, the intro than the actual intro itself. So we need to talk about what happened in BC on the weekend. It was Canada versus Chile, and uh, the final score was Canada twenty two, Chile twenty one. So it is a victory for Canada. Um, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Canada scored three tries, two of which were converted and also got a very important penalty. Uh, Chile scored two tries, only one of which was converted, but also scored three penalties as well. Now, as we said last week, this is part of a two-match series. The second match will take place in Valparaiso in Chile. It was also announced that there is a roster change as a result of the match. Both Matt Heaton and Cooper Coates will be unavailable for the second leg of the fixture. But there is someone else who is coming in to replace them, only in one position, obviously. But this is a guy who's been playing in Europe. And if you have any knowledge of Canadian rugby, you know what a big scoop this is. Ladies and gentlemen, Tyler Ardron will be joining the squad out in Chile. Um, so Derek, I think like obviously having Tyler Ardron is a huge scoop for Canada. But I want to go back to what I said before, 22-21. Yeah. This was a victory, but it didn't feel like Canada was the winner. No, yeah, that's uh, that's exactly actually what I wanted to ask you right at the start. Um, so, yeah, the scores 22-21. Canada wins. 
But as you said, why does it feel like they lost? Like, you know, what I mean? it's, it's the exactly. weirdest. Exactly. Like I can't even, I was trying to figure out like another, like analogy, like in sports that I could even come up with. Like, like I've never seen a team win yet. The fan base is so like dejected by it, which is, which is kind of, I don't know. It's a bizarre, I guess it's just like a bizarre vibe. That's definitely coming through. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, you look at the, the overall performance, was it, was it pretty? No. Um, was it like, did they play that? Was it can to play that well? No. Um, did they, at the end of the day, find a way to gut out a kind of greasy and nasty win? Yes. So, I mean, if you're looking for like positives in this game, I was going to like, it, it's so, it's so bizarre to be like, yeah, they, they did win, but it's like, there's, there's this weirdly like, it, it, it doesn't feel like it. And I, I, I don't really know how to explain this at all. It's just like, um, but it's, uh, you know, the biggest positive out of this game, in all honesty, um, is like I said, it was greasy. They didn't necessarily play that well. Um, but hey, they found a way to win at the end of the day. Right. And I mean, uh, the tough thing is really is when you kind of like look at this game. And I think we kind of talked about or like last week, Stu, especially you, man, you've been like hyping up Chile for a while. And it's like the last time the broad, the broadcast even started with Gareth Reese reminding everybody that, hey, the last time these two played, right, it was 56 nothing. It was in the same yeah. stadium, too. And it was like so much Chile has gotten so much better. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't think Chile did anything in this game that really like scared me or anything that showed me that it's like, oh, man, like like to make me even as weird as it is to make me worried about next yeah. week. Right. But it's like you kind of I think you watch the game and there's a couple things to me that stand out in this game. Um, I think Brian Ray had a tweet where he said at times the game looked like a third division club game or something, which was probably mm-hmm. true. It was if you're trying to introduce people to rugby, this is not the game to show. Mm-hmm. Pick some, pick the uh, I don't know, Springboks All Blacks from the past weekend. That was fun. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Don't don't show like I went. This is not the game to show. Um, but it's like I think there's a couple things that stood out. Um, so we'll we'll get I'll get the first one out of the way because I don't really like doing it, but I feel like it has to be addressed because it's a thing that happened in this. The officiating was trash. Like as yeah, just, that that just, seems to be the general yeah. consensus. I you think. know what? But the it, it's trash. But like the the I guess if it's going to be trash, it's the good type of trash officiating where both teams think it's trash officiating. Um, yeah. Was, like there was. Um, there was times throughout the match where it was just like you could see like the interactions that um, you know that Rumble and um, Sigrin were having with the official, and both of them just looked perplexed at times. Um, yeah. Didn't didn't like just like what are you calling? Like what's going on? Like um, it was just bizarre. There's bizarre scrum penalties. There was bizarre. Mm. Um, Tyler Rowland got the yellow card, um, which I mean, it might be. It's maybe a soft-ish yellow card, but at the end of the day, he hit the guy in the air, whether it's intentional or not. Um, yeah. So it's like I kind of get the yellow, but then, like, um, I believe it was, um, it was like Velardre hits Nelson, like 
a tackle in the air. Yeah. And nothing. Yeah. At all. Like, I don't even think it was penalized. It wasn't even a penalty. I think they, they got a uh, Chile got a penalty for uh, in like the an infringement in the ruck just coincidentally or something. Yeah. It was just bizarre. Uh, I don't really like ripping on refs, though. So that's I think that's kind of where I'm going to like end that one. But like it was just. But do you, I don't know. Do you have any additional officiating thoughts here? Because I'm just kind of like I just feel like it needs to be addressed, but I don't really want to spend too much time on it. Well, it's interesting that there's a thread on Twitter which was shared by Squid Rugby um, talking about like how this guy who supported his rugby team from ages 8 till 18 would blame the referee and go into... He, the thread went into detail of um, how a lot of calls were actually like 50-50 and it's just because the ref is in, in there and they have to make a quick decision. In this game particularly? No, it just in general. In general. In general. Okay. I, I'm going to say that this game was like the antithesis of this because you could clearly see some things just didn't oh, make sense. Hey, I mean- now, at the same time, rugby has a tradition of changing the rules every time the wind changes direction. <laughs> so you can maybe argue that, okay, if you have to focus on like the, this new 50-22 rule, maybe you'll... <laughs> like, that didn't even the- come up though. <laughs> I know, but if you're looking for that and something yeah, else still, happens, yeah. then... But like, so- like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, like I don't like doing it. Like refs, refs are human. Um, Listen, like any player, they have bad games. This guy, yeah, no, he had a bad yeah, game. Um, but it was a bad game, but it was a bad game for both teams. It wasn't. No, it's, it was a just a, of, it was a terrible game. It was a just yeah. terrible. But it's like the thing is, though, right? It's like better officiating. And it's like, you know, the, the outcome of the game could be different. Um, mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, you know, I don't think you can point to just like a grossly like calls that grossly favored Canada versus gro- or grossly favored Chile. It was just bad all around. Yeah. Um, but either way, on to the next thing. Um, I put out a tweet that kind of said I kind of liked the idea behind Canada's attack, despite the just, oh my God, catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Or if you're Peter Nelson, throw the Pass ball the through ball. the hands of the guy, yeah. not his knee, not his number on the back of his jersey. Um, there was just so many, so many like handling errors, bad passes, Dropped balls. Like it was handling errors, dropped balls, whatever. There's so many I'm saying it more than once. Yeah. Um, right. And it's like the attack was just getting absolutely stifled. And part of it was like their own wrongdoing. But when I and I said that despite all the execution errors, and there was a lot, um, that I was like, I kind of think I liked the idea behind the attack. Um, but then when I said that, I just got bombarded by comments about how predictable it was and how predictable it was that how predictable the attack was was how predictable the attack was and what you and everybody that said that to me i'll just want you to know that you were 100 percent correct um (laughs) it's like watch watching the game sometimes it it became like i i like the idea of the attack because the game against the united states um that they lost the second leg yeah was just Box kick, box kick, box kick, box kick. No matter what the situation was, as soon as Canada touched the ball, they box kicked it away. I liked that Canada decided that we can play with the ball in our hands a little bit. Um, they still used the box kick and admit, and probably a couple times I actually kind of effectively used it. And then it sort of, as the game kind of went on, Brody's box kick started going a little bit too long for the kick chase, and they couldn't really do a whole lot with it. But there's definitely moments 
where they were gaining territory and it was helping them set up plays and stuff like that too. Um, but again, it kind of just comes down to when talking about like Brody's kicks a little too long, right? Execution errors again. Um, but I, I agree. I agree with the people that were just like, just, you know, started sending all the tweets being like, yeah, it was kind of predictable. And if you kind of like go back and watch the game too, the line out, which like the first line out wasn't that great. Um, a whole bunch of lineouts in the middle of the game, like between the first lineout and then towards the end of the game, were actually really good. Like they were connecting on them. Um, they were contesting Kyle Bailey on the defensive side of the ball. He, I thought, did very well to like, you know, he was stealing lineouts from Chile. And Chile's got some big dudes in the lineout, yeah. too, right? So, um, like, Iceman is a freaking monster. That guy is huge. And Bailey's getting up and beating them in the lineout, right? So that's a, that's a positive thing. Um, I think though, like, but there's a part in the game where even though the lineup was connecting, very oftentimes though, it ended, it was the same play, right? It would go to either it would be Bailey or Thomas in the lineup, right? They kind of alternated who they were throwing to, right? But it would be the right, they would take it over the at the top, immediately pass, like toss it down to Brody. Brody would pass to Nelson. Nelson would pass it to Lesage. Lesage would get hit instantly because Chile's reading this play because they've already run it four times. Um, and then the the next phase would go to Vicalani, who would also run into a wall of defenders. And I don't know if it's just like I, I re-watching the game. I don't know if it's just my mind being like I'm looking for this now and I want to specifically see it. But it literally looks like each time they run the play, more Chilean guys hit the ball carrier. Cause they can yeah. kind of read it. Right. There's a play too in the second half where it's just like, um, Ken is trying to work the ball to the, to the wing. And you can see like just the Chilean defense is just sliding over. And by the time the ball gets to Brock Webster, who like actually, who played very well in this game, mind you. Brock Webster is one of the few Canadian guys I was actually kind of impressed with in this game. Um, but it gets to him on the outside and he gets hit by four guys. Yeah, because right, it's like there's nowhere for him to go, and um, just and Chile, and I think like part of that, like I mean too, it's like yeah, the the attacks, but yeah, it, it's, there, there was certainly an element of predictability to their attack in Chile. Uh, to Chile's credit, though, like they figured it out early. They they came in with a good game plan to shut that attack down. Um, but like the other thing though, too, I think you know, especially with the attack, man, and it's. Um, we we mentioned we mentioned the, the officiating, not the best, um, but it was also like the execution errors and stuff that led to it. Like the the end of the game, right? With Canada down a couple points, twenty one nineteen toward the end of the yeah. game, and Canada is just like you know they get the the ball in deep in Chilean territory. Like they're inside the 22 for like five, six, seven, eight minutes, something like that. And it's just, you know, we can talk again, like, I guess the officiating does kind of come into play here a little bit because Chile is just taking penalty after penalty, after penalty, after penalty. And, you know, you're kind of like looking at it and be like, how many penalties you got to take before, you know, the ref, you know, decides to, you know, to pull out that yellow card. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, there's there's a case to be made for that. But at the same time, it's like, how many set pieces do you need from 10 meters out to score? Yeah. Right. Like at, at some point, like how many, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, I agree. I agree. Maybe with the constant penalties, maybe at some point 
you know, that yellow card should have came out. Um, but how many, how many set pieces do you need? Right. It's like, you know, line out after line out getting stopped. You know, when it gets into the face play, it's getting stopped. You know, Chile might be offside or getting a penalty in the rock, but like, you know, it's like there was offsides, there was scrum or sorry, there was not offsides. There was lineouts, there was scrums. They couldn't score. They couldn't punch it in at the end. And even like, man, this game was just, this game was just so weird. It's just so, it was like, like even at the end, like even at, I don't know, man, it's just such a weird, like, I don't even know how to like comprehend the thoughts on it. It was just such a weird game. Um, Even like, we're talking about like some ex- execution errors and stuff in the game. Like, like there's the moment toward the end of the game, right? So like Canada gives up a penalty. Chile kind of like, right. So I'm um, sorry. Chile gives, gives up a penalty. Canada's kind of back around like, you know, just inside their own half. And it's like, you know, Povey goes to, you know, kick to try to get to the corner. Povey's got a massive boot. So the guy tries for the corner on regard, no matter where he is on the field, he tries. Um, and it's like the ball stays in and, you know, for the ball stays in, he doesn't get it to the touchline and Fernandez just drops it. Like he, like he doesn't even, it's not like he's like trying to like, you know, has to do some acrobatic thing to keep it in. Like it's clearly in and Fernandez just drops the ball and they get the scrum yeah. at the five uh, yeah. at five meter line. Right. And then, you know, what? right. And it's like, and then at the end, it's like Canada gives up a penalty and, you know, Canada gives up. A, so Chile gets to like, you know, they do the tap. Right. And it's like, yeah. man, and it's like Chile. And then at the end of the game too, and it was just like, Chile is giving you, like all these penalties, all these set pieces, you know, dropping a ball that's going, that's not even going to get into touch, right? Chile gets a turnover at the end of the game, does a quick tap, takes a penalty immediately. Um, Carrasco just flies over the ruck like Superman had too many, you know, beverages one night and just can't stay <laughs> straight when he goes over. And it's right. And it's just immediately, and he hands it back and it's like Povey, right? Povey slots that penalty to end the game. Yeah. And it's just this, like, you know, I, I don't know. It's one of those things, is like, I guess, watching it's like, how many chances do you need at this? Um, right. And it's like, and then, you know, and it's, but it's the thing. It's like, I think Chile, I think, did well of, you know, obviously early in the game, they took advantage of some penalties, right, to get the early lead, right? Canada yeah. did have possession more. Canada did have a little bit more territory. They didn't do anything with that possession or the territory. They ran into mm-hmm. Chilean defense the entire time. Chile's defense, like, I think you got to give, like, I know it was predictable, but like they were making, like, I mean, it's not like they were laying guys out, but they were making tackles, right? They were making the tackles that they, they needed to make. Um, and then, you know, as, as the game kind of went, went on, it was just like Chile was kind of, to me, this is the one thing. And this is ultimately why I think. This game is a win for Canada, but it feels like a loss, right? Because we kind of know the situation. Canada is obviously the higher ranked team. Canada has never missed the World Cup. Chile has never played in a World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Chile has been, you know, as we've all talked about, the mass improvement that this organization made. And yeah. I mean, you could even, you can see it in the post-game interviews, right? When they interviewed Ross Brody, um, he had two tries in the game. Two like really nice tries. Like he kind of yeah. He, they were they were good tries when um, they were good to watch. Yeah, and so Brody gets the man of the match for his two tries. And I mean, when you win a game by one point, the guy that scores two tries definitely going to get the man of the match. 
Um, even though, I mean, him and him and Nelson at the end of the day, like they're the two guys that are at the front of the, as everyone keeps calling it, the predictable attack and stuff. Right. So it's, um, but you know, like Brody scores two tries and he's the man in the match and, you know, his post-game interview, he's talking about going back to the drawing board, right? Like they have to figure, you know, figuring out like what they got to do next week against Chile, you know, in the second leg here, because, you know, it's like, yeah, they squeaked out a win, but what they were doing wasn't like, it's a greasy win. And it's not necessarily working. It's not, you don't necessarily want to do it again, that same style. Right. Um, yeah. Whereas you hear um, um, Martin Segrin right after, and he's like, he sounds ecstatic. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, talking about like the pride that he has in his team and stuff. And it's like, and I think that's, that's ultimately where I kind of feel. I think that's why it feels like Canada lost despite the fact that they won. Yeah. Right. Is this like Canada didn't play well? Chile kind of gave them some opportunities to win the game. And they still couldn't quite take advantage of it until the very last one, where it was finally just like I said, it's like, you know, the the amount of set pieces that they had at the end of the game, yellow card given to them or not, like they should have scored a try at the end of the game with that yeah. many opportunities. But you know, at the end of the day, they found a way to win the game. I mean, they got the ball back when it mattered, right? And yeah. um but like, Sager, I think that's the thing though with Chile though, right? It's like you come in, you play defense, right? When Canada gives up penalties in uh, Videla's range, he stepped up and, you know, he he stepped up. He went three for four, right? So he got, he's got his points on the board. Um, You know, he kept the scoreboard ticking over for Chile. He kept the game close. I tweeted about 10 minutes into the game, I think, that it's like the longer that this game stays close, the better it is for Chile. And I think that kind of like, Stay true. They showed up. They played defense when they had some opportunities, a little bit of, you know, with the mall. Um, Savredra, the big lock, um, he, you know, just, you know, used the, the line out in the mall and they were able to crash over a couple tries, right? One of those was when Tyler Rowland was in the bin, right? So it's mm-hmm. like they took advantage of that penalty there real quick. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of, I think if you're chilly, you showed up, you played some defense. Sure, you lost, but you lost by one, right? So it's like you played well enough. You know, like I said, they didn't do anything that scares me, to be honest. Like, there, there was nothing about Chile's game that scares me. I think Canada played bad more than anything. Um, there was nothing yeah, in Chile's game that, like, scared me about it. But it's like they, they played defense. They played defense effectively, um, right? Um, you know, maybe take a, maybe took advantage of the fact that the ref was not handing out anything. You take that and now you set up, you're going back home, right? You're going back home. So you flip, like you completely flipped home field advantage, right? You're going back home and you're down by one, which is, I mean, realistically, this is all, which all you've done because of the rules, right? Is if it's tied on aggregate, right? You're playing extra time. Right. So if it's tied on, so it's, you're down by one. So, I mean, it, it, you're war, like, it's like, even if Chile wins by one, they just go into extra time. Yeah. Like, you've it's literally, like, they yeah, only have to play one game. Yeah. Point. Exactly. Oh, if you're Chile right now, like, you're looking at this. Yeah. Sure. You lost. Sure. I'm sure Chile would have loved to not given up that penalty at the end of the game. Yeah. Right. Je- right. And then, you know, walk out of their 21 19 winners plus two advantage. I'm sure they would have loved that. But, like you got a essentially what amounts to we'll borrow the hockey analogy 
like a game seven, right? Winner take all game on your own turf. Yeah. Right. Like you did. And I think that's weirdly, ultimately why I think it weirdly feels like a, a, like a loss for Canada in a weird way, despite the fact that they won. Because I think even in like the post-match interviews that you can see, like that were on the premier sports broadcast, right? It's like Chile looked happier about that outcome. I think Chile yeah. deserved to be happier about that outcome. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think, I don't necessarily think Canada would be super thrilled with the way that they played in that game. Um, You know, if, if you got to go with a positive and stuff, it's like, I think the one thing, you know, it sounded like, you know, on some, some people were concerned that the size of the Chilean pack, right. And what we saw with, um, you know, the USA was dominant against Canada in the set piece. Um, and then with the size of the Chilean pack, and that's kind of the way Chile likes to play too. Right, that you know that could be a the set piece could be a problem, and I think over the course of the game, if Canada had the better set piece both in the scrum and in the lineout, um, Bailey was Bailey uh, to me. I think Bailey was the best player. I know Brody got the man of the match award. I thought Bailey was the best player in the game, um, all over the pitch. You know, great work rate, um, and most important, like he was dominating the lineout, right on both sides on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Like it was the lineout. You know, uh, Jeb Sinclair, I think, alluded to it um, during it. It's like the lineup looks so much. Canada's lineup looks so much better with Kyle Bailey in the game. Um, yeah. Right. And it, it showed. So, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's like, I, 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 don't, I don't even know. Like, I guess going into next week, like, what do you, what do you got to do, Stu? Like, what do, what do, what do you think here? Because well, it's like. Speaking of uh, this coming weekend, that game will be kicking off at 2 p.m on Eastern time this Saturday, and it'll be on Premier Sports or premiersports.tv. And not as I incorrectly tweeted out, premierspirits.tv. Totally different channel. Um, but this that is the thing. sounds like an excellent, like, Adam Gilchrist rugby co-branded drink. Yeah, I may, well, depending on how the game goes, maybe taking a visit to Premier Spirits, uh, <laughs> depending, um, to yeah. celebrate, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I wonder if uh, I wonder if Corey Thomas is bringing down some guillotines. If, if he can get that hmm. that shipped out to Chile, I don't know. Yeah, hope so. Well, yeah, I think it'd be <laughs> you know, something nice to have. Um, so I've been looking at the weather in Valparaiso on Saturday, and you know, obviously, it being the Southern Hemisphere, it's um, their spring going into summer. It's uh, going to be quite warm about 14 15 degrees 73 percent humidity but um only 10 percent chance of precipitation with 18 kilometer an hour winds so i'm really on the fence like i said last week i said that canada would win their home game but i also think chile can win their game as well i also think the issue of flying out and then having to wait 24 hours to get negative COVID tests means limited time to prepare. Obviously, with only a week's turnaround, you can only do so much anyway. Um, so I think what Canada needs to do... Chile's got to do that COVID test too, though, right? Yes, but they also flew out on Sunday oh. as opposed to Tuesday. So they have an extra 48 hours to readjust. What I think Canada needs to do is, and this is going to be obvious, is uh, not make so many handling errors and, you know, learn to pass. Always good. Um, but this is the thing. is like people can say, some, like, oh, yes, 
I it's, appreciate it's the, the, the analysis. Yeah, the attacking is predictable. It's easy to come from. Well, it would be it would be predictable if it actually pieced together and didn't end up with a knock on scrum to Chile. Um, it. I also think that um, anyone who does any type of kicking, whether it be uh, box kicking from Brody or Peter Nelson or even Will Kelly or um, any anyone that or Povey, thank you, um, needs to. They need to prepare to do a drop goal, I think, because if you're getting into mm. um, within ten meters and you're not getting through that line, you need to have a kicker back there. Did you think? Can, at the end of the game, this past game, do you think like a they, a drop goal would have been like maybe maybe could have been the play earlier in uh like earlier well, instead of well we both know how great a last minute drop goal is to a uh, team's morale and the fans' morale yeah. having seen uh having seen it happen in Toronto um but I think it is but then again you also look at like wales during um the last rugby I mean, world cup yeah. you know within the first like 35 seconds you think oh the, you know they're gonna like try they're gonna aim to try and get a try within the first five minutes nope passes back to dan bigger slots the fastest drop goal in world cup history you need to have like that kind of unpredictability and you need to be able to lay down that marker of if we can't get a, if we can't get the try or we can't get a penalty within your uh, 22, ball's coming back and one of our kickers is getting us three points. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I think drop goals are like super entertaining. I wish there was more of them. Um, but yeah, like I think that you do need to do something because I think you the one thing I think is clear and it's like I don't really know what you do. Because you got to do, but like Chile clearly figured out your attacking strategy. So you got to yeah. come up with something that they didn't see last week. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like, hey, if you're going to, uh, I think that's the one thing, right? Is that, you know, you could kind of tell like um, Vicilani, uh got met at the game line constantly throughout this game. And you know, so did Lesage, so did Jones. And it's like the one thing. So Tyler Ardron's coming back, hmm. which like, thank God. Thank God he's yeah. back, um, which is great. <laughs> it, it, instantly, he's the best player on the pitch between either either of the two sides instantly. Um, the only thing, though, is it's like, and he might be good enough to avoid it, but it's like, I wonder if Chile is looking at that being like, oh, the ball's going to eight. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, cause it's our, it's like, oh, he goes up in a line out, the ball's going to eight. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, I hope that's not like a side effect. Like, I mean, use our draw because you have to. Yeah. But the other thing it might be like, at the same time, like, use him yeah. as a distraction. Everyone thinks, oh, it's going to Ardron. Yeah. Or and then they don't. If it's, or, or like, I mean, the other side of it, um, my, uh, I was talking to some friends about, um, hockey the other day. And it was just like, you know, it's funny, like looking at like Alex Ovechkin as he's kind of like people are starting to talk about if he can like crap, break Gretzky's goal record and stuff. Yeah. And it's like half of his goals, uh, so many of his goals coming on the, the Washington power play and they haven't changed their power play in like 10 years. Right. It's just like he just goes to the one spot and it's a one timer. Yeah. And it's like he scored like 400 goals, three, four, like he scored like two, 300 goals doing that. 
and yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. So it's like if if our drone's good enough that even if they know the ball's going to them, it doesn't matter, then so be it and use our drone. But it's yeah. like if like, I just I hope it doesn't put Cannon in that trap of like because they figured out the the attack. So it's like, you know, if you're like if you're Rob Howley, you're Kingsley Jones right now, like you you need to be coming up with something because it's like they know they clearly show that they know what's coming at them defensively, yeah. right? Um, so you, you need to, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe try to get the ball at wide, but it's like, it's also like, I think there was a lot of just, you remember that squidge rugby video for a couple of years back where he was talking about the Canada attack. Yeah. And it was just like, there was a lot of that. The like, it's going 10, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. Right. And it's like, yo, maybe, I mean, maybe you got to mix in a couple different patterns and stuff. Um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe go out wide a little bit faster. Don't necessarily go to the, rely on the forwards all the time. Yeah. Change it up. Maybe, you know, maybe try a little bit more of like some, maybe some attack, attacking mindset kicks, right. Let's do, um, you know, the box kicks. I, I, I kind of like, I think you use those again a little bit, maybe bring that not to the level that you use them in the second leg against the United States. Oh no. That was insanity. Um, but like, you know what I mean? Like bring that back a little bit. Cause I think you got like Brock Webster in this game, dude, let's let him go get the ball. Yeah. Like just put the ball up, let him go get it. Cooper Coates kind of doing well. Unfortunately, he's not back though. So, I mean, um, yeah, we could talk about that too. So, but like, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, let, let them go, go kind of go get it or something. But like, you know, I think the big thing is too, man, is like, you are leading this series right now going in to it it's like you canada's winning this series right now and you know um it's this uh, this is a massive game i think this is honestly i think this is going to be probably the biggest game that the maybe most of the majority of this roster has ever played in um yeah obviously as we mentioned this is a do or die game right the loser with a one-point aggregate fairly certain fairly safe to say that the I mean, I think it's mathematically the only way it happens anyways, right? But it's like the loser of this game is out of the World Cup. Yeah. Right? So that like, and you know what I mean? Like, it, it's tough. Like, you don't want to think about it, but it's like, like, this is the outcome of this game could drastically impact Rugby Canada as a whole. Like yeah. the entire organization. Like, there's a lot riding on this game. Um, yeah. It's a massive game. They have to win it. Yeah, as we said, it's going to be 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific this Saturday on premiersport.tv. But that won't be the only international happening on Saturday. We have to talk about the one that happened at the same time at Infinity Park. This was USA versus Uruguay in their uh, two-match series. First match, USA uh, won 19-16. So they have a three-point lead going into the second leg in Montevideo. Um, and you know, and you could look at it the same way. I think as you can look at the Canada games in, um, I think as well is that because of the way that, um, the South American teams qualified for this round, there isn't really anything to gate. Cause that was part of like a round Robin, uh, series between Uruguay, Chile and Brazil. But I think after seeing the USA, Canada games, like obviously the first game ends with a 13 point advantage to Canada. 
and now we're seeing um, just how close these teams are in the fact that USA only won by three points. Like, that's the thing. All the, Uruguay just needs to um, lead by a penalty, and they're the team that's going into extra time as well. Um, something to point out is that uh, at halftime, the score was 14-3 to the USA. Um, they score a penalty in the uh, second half. Sorry, they score a try without a conversion in the second half to take the 19-3. And then in the final quarter, they concede 13 points. And, you know, we're talking about, oh, Chile chuffed a bit going into their home fixture. I'm sure Uruguay are, like, in the exact same situation. Now, obviously, the circumstances are a bit more favourable because whoever loses that series will then play the winner of Canada and Chile. Um but this is the thing is that we've um, said that, you know, we consider like USA to be like the best team in the Americas, Uruguay. Well, after Argentina, the best tier <laughs> two. Forgot, forgot about the team that had already qualified. Um, yes, so of the, not better of the, than tier, the team that beat the All Blacks. Um, so of USA and Uruguay, we've said that USA are the better team, but they've only been able to win by three points. However, we've also seen what happens when USA play in the uh, second leg of a series. So, I mean, but this is a question. This I'm just going to keep this really brief and stuff. Do you think, um, Derek, that the USA can hold on to their lead, or will it be Uruguay that will supplant them and take the Americas one position? Honestly, I I think the USA USA is going to win this. Um, I think I think the USA defense uh, played very well. They, you know, up until the 60th, 62nd minute, it was, they only allowed three points, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Uruguay, sure. They, yeah, they mounted a huge, they mounted a big comeback attempt, but, you know, um, the lead that the USA built up was big enough to hold them off. And it's, I think it's what, it is a game that I think like, yeah, it can go either way. Um, but like, I don't think there's any reason if I'm an American fan, like I'm not like, I'm not super, super nervous. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a tight match. We knew this going into it. USA yeah. and Uruguay, man, is is excite is exciting rugby. Like they're two very good teams. Um, I think the one thing that has become abundantly clear, though, I think uh, the 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 winner of Chile Canada is going to the Repishas tournament. Yep. And, um, these, uh, I mean, I you never know, right? Anything can happen, right? But it's. Um, you know, there's, there looked like a little bit of a difference in the quality of game, yeah. um, you know, so it's uh, like, yeah, I don't I hope honestly, I hope the United States I, as a fan, I want the United States to win because I think to grow rugby in North America, the best outcome is Canada and the United States in the yeah. World Cup. And I don't I don't think I want to watch a scenario where it's like. I mean, obviously, the loser of the next series would go to the repechage tournament, so I wouldn't really be eliminating them. But it's like I don't think at this stage in the qualification, like I get that it has to happen in the first round all the time, but at this stage in the qualification where it's like, yeah, you you can like start eliminating teams and stuff. It's like I don't want to necessarily see Canada and the United States being, in all honesty, as weird as it sounds, being forced to be like, yeah, we're gonna knock each other out. It's almost. It might not be uh, like I don't know. So I'm hope I'm hopeful that USA wins and then Canada gets to play Uruguay. Well, again, those matches will be happening on Saturday. Now we're going to take a look to the future because it was announced today 
that World Rugby have given the dates for the international games that will be happening in this autumn in the Northern Hemisphere. So the end of year test series. And you know what? Canada went to Europe for the summer. They liked it so much. They're going to go back again in the fall. So we have not only um, Canada men, but Canada women will be doing the tour as well. So on the 6th of November, the men's team will be facing Portugal. And on the 13th of November, they'll be facing Belgium. Now, kickoff um, locations and times are still to be announced. However, for the women's team, that's very interesting is that um, they'll be playing a two-match series against the USA. Both games will be at Infinity Park, and this will be part of the new Pacific Four series in preparation for the WXV, which will kick off in 2023. Um, as well as that, they will be playing um, England women at the Twickenham Stoop, and they'll be playing the Wales women at the Cardiff Arms Park. So, you know, very historic grounds, uh, very popular with the women's game in uh, Europe. So, you know, and I think I think this is fantastic. It's really interesting against the USA because um, they're playing the first game on the 1st of November and the second game on the 5th of November. So four days later. Mm. So I know turnaround. needs must and all that. Yeah, it's a, that's but, a tough turnaround. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, to seeing the women's team back in action, though. Um, Right. Like it's, uh, you know, unfortunate that they uh, the women's World Cup got canceled this year. Well, um, yeah. Postponed right, till so. next year. So. Yeah. Postponed or whatever. So it's, you know, obviously, you know, prep for that goes on right so it's like it'll be nice yeah. to in right it'll be great to see uh see them get some test matches in um in the fall here and obviously you know the united states england wales great competition great way to test yourself so i'm looking forward to that um the i feel like my excitement for a game against portugal and belgium weighs very heavily on the result of saturday well the interesting thing is that it's been heavily rumored that the team that will be going to Europe for the men's side will be a um, young team. Now, I know there are a lot of young players already in this squad, but yeah. I think it may be get, the opportunity to give get those yeah, those in the uh, late 20s and around the 30 mark will be given the uh, autumn to recover and recuperate. It's funny that we were talking um, earlier in the year when they were going to play uh, Wales and England of saying that we want to see Canada maybe play like tier two nations. Well, well now we we're are. getting it. And uh, I, we have no, again, we don't have, there's no, inf like I said, they haven't even announced where they're going to be playing these games in mm -hmm. Portugal or Belgium or what time. Um, if it's on Premier Sports, maybe a discounted price. Um, <laughs> but we will see. And, you know, it, as you said, it's going to be uh, dependent on how the result happens this uh, weekend. All right, now let's go back to BC because we have had the second round of the Coastal Cup. It is, and so these are the results from the weekend. Uh, the Crimson Tide were the team that took a bye week. Um, Van East got their first victory uh, with 45 to 11 over Trinity Western. Uh, Pacific Pride uh, won their match 33 22 against Uvic. And the Vancouver Wave got their first game with a victory uh, 34 22 over UBC. Um, these games are now on the Coastal Cup YouTube channel. So if you haven't seen them already, that is a good place to watch it. Um, there's only going to be one match this coming week, as uh, Derek informed me, because I'm not Canadian. It's a uh, Thanksgiving weekend coming up. So you should know this, though, man. It means you get a day off work. Should be I, sh I should know this. And yet, 
time is an illusion as this uh pandemic i saw i saw on twitter um earlier this week you had a nice like public transit rant and i'm like Stu is slowly becoming canadian like you know it's i don't Uh, think you're not you're not canadian until you have until you have the uh, the complaints about the uh, the go train and the ttc out here right it's like oh no i'm slowly becoming an actual trontonian it's uh, it's, oh no oh no i'm i'm old school european i i miss going on the train and not having to look at the timetable of when it's going to be here that's how that's how much i love public transport (laughs) anyway Anyway, so um, as I said, because it's the um, Thanksgiving weekend, there will only be one fixture, which will be the Pride versus the Tide. And that will be 3.30 p.m. Pacific time on Saturday. Um, Coastal Cup, too. I mean, the matches themselves were entertaining. I mean, uh, Van East kind of put TWU to the sword a little bit. Um, right. So that, you know, that that game, you know, it's a it's a blowout. It is what it is. They happen yeah. in rugby sometimes. Um but uh, the Vancouver Wave, UBC, I mean, we talked about UBC kind of being a potential favorite to win the whole thing here. And Vancouver Wave in their first game, um, you know, kind of lay down a marker, a great win for them. Um, they rushed out to a 21 nothing halftime lead. 20, that soon became 24 nothing. Um, UBC had a, mounted a bit of a comeback, but they were able to um, stave off. Um, you know, kind of just stave it off at the end and win 34-22. A um, couple things I think kind of noteworthy from this game that I did want to touch on. So one, uh, Dakota McMullen, um, try, try of the, the year candidate. Um, like, uh, Stu, did you see this try? Dude, uh, not, not yet, but I will be watching it when I dude, go it, through the entire Coastal it's, Cup. It's nasty. Man, I, you know what? I'm screen sharing this. You're going to watch this damn try. Here it is. McMullen's the fly half. He's wearing 10 on the uh, the white team. UBC, obviously. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Stu, now... Magic you- feet, magic hands. Yeah, I was going to say, what's your favorite part about that? The uh, the kick through the uh, the cheeky little grubber to get it over the top of the defender that comes sliding across? The regather or the Superman dive with the somersault grounding combination? Well, I think each of those individual efforts for any other player would definitely put as like the try of the match. But to do all of that, that yeah. was that was special to watch. Yeah, that no, was it's, that's, yeah, that was crazy. If you haven't seen the try, uh, UBC Thunderbirds Vancouver Wave, the full game is on YouTube. Um, it's the try that pulls that uh, makes the game twenty four nineteen for UBC. They don't have a clock on the scoreboard on the game but if you go to about 129 an hour 29 minutes in your video that's when the try will happen um it's just a unreal try great uh great play um the other thing i wanted to mention that i thought was really cool from this game obviously the vancouver wave um did not play last week they had the first bye week um and uh, so this was the first time we got a roster announcement from them and you know, um, sadly, um, one of the wave players, uh, Dan Wigley, you know, has recently passed away in a tragic accident. And the team has decided to honor him by not allowing um, their players to wear the number five in his honor. So when you looked at the team sheet this week, the um, in the second row, 
there was uh, number 25, Dave Matthews, as opposed to wearing the traditional number five jersey. Um, they kept the five jersey on the sidelines. And, you know, I just thought it was, it's a really cool tribute that the Wave are doing. Um, and, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I, that's really all I wanted to say about that. It's just, I think it's a great tribute. And, you know, it, so um, if you're wondering why there's a number 25 out on the pitch as you're watching the Vancouver Wave this year, um, it's because they're honoring their uh, their teammate that has, you know, tragically passed away recently. What else? Any other news that you want to uh, touch on here? Well, we've been talking about Saturdays. We've got, you know, international rugby. We've got Coastal Cup. And we're going to have the inaugural tournament of the Premier Rugby Sevens happening as well. They'll be taking place at AutoZone Park in Memphis. And if you're listening in the United States, you can watch it on Fox Sports 2. And as we mentioned last week, if you're in Canada, you can watch it on TSN. There are six men's teams and four women's teams. They uh, the experts, headliners, loggerheads, and loonies will both have men's and women's teams. The locals and the team will have just men's teams. So um, you can look at their kit online. You can look at the rosters online at Premier Rugby 7's website. Um, Derek, just for fun, um, which men's team do you think is going to win the tournament? Which women's team do you think is going to win the tournament? And the only reason why I ask this question is because I know you're going to pick the team. But yeah, but that's only the men's team. They don't have a women's team. So mm-hmm. which women's True. team are you going to pick? Um, so first of all, uh, uh, the men's, the team has to be the favorite to, to win this. Like I'm not, this, you know, I, I made the jokes about the team being the greatest team name of all time. Um, Danny Barrett, though, explained it. He was he did a uh, an MLR rant episode or like um, and uh, he said on that, it's like. So the logos horses, which is a subject that I know nothing about beyond the fact that horses exist and some people like to race them. But apparently a group of horses is called a team. So that's what they're named after. I had no idea that that's what a group of horses is called. I just thought they were called horses. Um, But apparently it's called a team. I'm, Stu, are you Googling this? It looks like I am Googling it just Googling to make sense. What? You don't believe Danny Barrett? What has Danny yeah, Barrett ever done to not earn your trip? I, I don't know, because the plural of horses is also horse. Group. Say In, group of horses, though. Group of horses. Group of horses. Okay. Group of horses. The collective noun of horse is... Um, you can well. That's the thing is that there's a list of things you can have. You can have a team. Yeah, Harris. Yeah. A all right. Rag, so it's there. A it's string. There. It's there. Yeah. All right. So the team. So there we go. That's the defense. It's named after horses. It's cool. Yeah. Um, but either way, the team's roster. Uh, Barrett, obviously one of the best American sevens players. So that's already a good start. Um, Isherwood, who had a great Canadian sevens tournament back in Edmonton. Um, and you got like some MLR presence too. You got John Ryberg on the team. Um, you got Rod, uh, Christian Rodriguez is there. Um, Har- uh, Harley Wheeler's on the team. It's a good, good squad. Um, so I think I think that it's a good squad, and they're called the team. So they they get the full support. The Loonies, I think you know, close second man. They're they're uh, they're pretty loaded too. Douglas Matna, Waters, Tomasin. Um, and they have Mighty Ducks references in the uh, 
in, in their Twitter bio and stuff. So, I mean, I feel like these two teams are just the ones battling for my heart right now. So uh, they're the, uh, the, they look like uh, they, they could be a loonies, a loonies team final. Um, the women's side, I'll stick with the, uh, the, the loonies for the women's side as well. Um, lots of Canadian presence on that squad um, from the actual players on the, on the team up into the coaching um, as well. So uh, I, I think uh, I'm thinking I'm going uh, team for the men's and then loonies for the women's side. All right. Well, I just to make this fun will not pick like the same teams of like the men's or women's. And by that, I mean, I won't pick loonies for the women's because I'm going to pick loonies for the men. Uh-huh. So we're going to cover that. And then I haven't had the chance to go through all the teams and check the names and coach the rosters. I just really like their logo. So I say for the women's team, I'm going to go with the headliners. The headliners. Yeah. I think the loggerheads have the best logo, though. It's like, I mean, the it Pacific, is a really nice logo. Yeah, the the green, the blue and green, the Pacific Northwest traditional kind of colors. But then it's like a turtle, but like the mouth of the turtle is like a mountain range and stuff. It's clean. It's and very well done. Very yeah, it's excellent. All right, okay, we got some other rugby news just to wrap up. Um, the big news this week is that the Dallas Jackals have signed Michael Hodge as head coach. You know, and they have and- signed Michael Hodge, which leads into the next one. Um, with uh, Nessie Malifa going to Seattle, it's because all the coaches they hired last year now coach the Seattle Seawolves. So hey, a new one. Hey, we don't need to say that. You're not wrong, but you don't need to say it. Yeah. Oh, they all, yeah. yeah. So they needed a new coach because they're all coaching the Seattle Seawolves now. Okay. Speaking of head coaches, we're now going to go to LA because Dave Clancy has officially been named as a new head coach of the LA Guiltinis Academy. I think it's been like an open secret that he was the head coach, but now it's just been, you know, pen put to paper and the press release has been announced. And we have a few player um, names to look out for um, in New England next year. Um, obviously, a fan favorite, Dougie Fife. Um, is returning to fill out his contract, but they have also signed on a two-year deal. Um, New Zealand back rower Jesse Peretti, he is signed for the Free Jack. So look forward to him uh, taking to the stands in uh, Dallas, 2022. Dallas also announced that they signed uh, Carlo De Nation, um early. Oh yeah, that was announced today. So he yeah. originally signed for Dallas um, in 2020, and then obviously was uh, picked up by the Legion in the um, expansion draft. And now he is back to back to Dallas. Yeah, so, it's good. I mean, I, it's, it's nice to see Dallas getting some of their guys back. I think that was a, that was a question last year behind like how many of them would actually go back. It looks like they're doing a somewhat decent job so far. I mean, only what a handful of guys announced on the roster. So we'll see how it fully shapes up, but it looks like there was at least a handful of players that were interested in coming back. So that's good to see. Yeah, definitely looking forward to see how Dallas fills out as uh, the year comes to an end and uh, hopefully they can have a roster ready to go for preseason training. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are going to end it there. We just want to remind you all that you can watch rugby at the following location. So Canada versus Chile, that will be on premiersports.tv. Uh, the Tide versus Pride, that will be on YouTube as part of the Coastal Cup. Premier Rugby Sevens, as we've mentioned last week, the first part will be on tsn.ca or the TSN app with the uh, championship finals on TSN4. And if you're looking for European rugby, the Premiership and the URC are both on Sportsnet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's a ton of rugby to watch this weekend. 
Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it's all on Saturday. So I know. Cancel it's your crazy. plans. It's crazy. So sun, like that's that is actually like the one thing I I was kind of like, man, it's it's crazy how this all kind of worked out. So we got um Friday, it kind of starts though. So if you go to Sportsnet on Friday, you can watch Sharks Ospreys, uh Bennington Ulster, and uh Harlequins uh Bristol on Friday afternoon, if you so choose. Um, and then sat like on Saturday from 8 a.m. Um, it starts with Leinster versus Zebra, um, and it's uh, that's games at 8 a.m. And then it's just a full slate of all the, the remaining Premiership and URC games, um, like into the uh, the afternoon. Like I think the last games kicks off at like 2:30 or something. Um, but yeah, like that was the one thing too. Like it is all at the same time, right? So I guess yeah. Sundays the uh, I guess Thanksgiving is the uh, watch and replay day. Yeah, highlights highlights for uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, and if anybody wants to like watch like premiere like the Sportsnet games, just a warning to everybody: Sportsnet takes them off after twenty four hours. Um, like their on demand thing, it's like they, they just take them off after twenty four hours. So if you want to watch a replay of like a URC or a Premiership game, um, you got to do it within the twenty four hour window. Um, and that's a hard twenty four hour window, as I found out, because my game turned off like in the middle of it when it went over that 24 hour window. Um, so just a warning to anybody that wants to, you know, spend some Thanksgiving, watching some premiership games schedule, which replays you want to watch. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, so uh, plenty, plenty to watch, man. Um, I wonder, I wonder like how the premier sevens viewership is going to be affected by being at the same time as a USA and Canada test match. And massive test matches at that. Because that it's like true. The the games, I think the USA kicks off at three, Canada kicks off at two. Yeah. Which I suppose means that they could kind of be over before like the TSN four portion of yeah, because TSN four is meant to start at like four p.m. Yeah, so yeah, so I suppose it could be over before that happens. But it's also yeah, like, it's... I mean, hey, like at the same time, too, like rugby Canada fans have certainly made it known that they're not happy with this premier sports thing yeah so i wonder if there's anybody that's going to be like oh man we'll just watch premier sevens all day because it's you know because you know yeah. I, I i don't know i don't know well, I, wonder how, I wonder how viewership kind of impacts it when it all kind of ends up being at the same time especially when it's north american leagues all kind of clashing at the same time yeah oh well, well i can definitely say we are spoiled for choice and just cancel your plans for saturday because yeah. uh you're going to be watching rugby okay we're going to be wrapping it up there if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more of it you can follow us on uh, spotify anchor fm la rouge rugby podcast you can also follow us on our social media channels we're on facebook instagram you know when they're actually working uh we're on twitter as well um our handle is always at la rouge rugby derek what are your uh, social media handles yeah, so you can find me at Perceptive Jet on basically everything across the entire spectrum of the social media landscape, including the platforms that don't shut down for lengthy 12-hour periods of time. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is Hardman, spelled H4RDMAF. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me tonight. And Derek Perset, I'm Sue Hardy. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing and listening to you next time.